Welcome to the show. I'm Chris Oldcorn. We have a fantastic show for you today. We are joined by Dr. Lucas Castellani, who is the assistant professor at Northern Ontario School of Medicine and also the infectious disease specialist at Sioux Area Hospital. We'll be right back after the break. And welcome back. Today I'm joined by Dr. Lucas Castellani. He is the Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine, and he is also the Infectious Disease Specialist at Surrey Hospital. How are you doing today? Not bad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, the first question I have for you is, um, the last few cases here in Algoma District, uh, and actually the last two have actually been in the Sault Ste. Marie area, were community transmission. Can you explain to our audience what contract, contact tracing is? Yeah, it's, uh, so contact tracing is an important uh, uh, public health, um, and sometimes actually in hospital we use it. It's, a, it's um, a technique where you're basically trying to find out who potentially could have an infection. So what happens is, you know, you find out that there's in a case of an infection, whether or not that be something like tuberculosis or in this case COVID mm -hmm. and that that person would be called the index case right so you have this person identified and you want to know who could have given it to them and who could they have potentially spread it to uh, while they were infectious and so what happens is uh, work within the hospital or even uh, through public health uh, is done to find out who are those people that are connected to the uh, individual and they call them and they sort of get more background information and that's how they can sort of build a story on how this sort of came about or how it spread spread through a community potentially and they can also sort of identify people who maybe haven't had symptoms or haven't been sick yet uh, so they can be screened properly uh, they could be isolated if needed and they could be cared for uh, so that's how that's the what contact tracing is, is all about all right and in regards to people who test positive um, why is there such a massive shutdown when we only have 12 positive cases in Algoma District? Uh, for example, uh, Sweden has largely remained open with a few uh, shelter-in-place guidelines, but didn't shut down their entire economy uh, like we did here in Canada. Yeah, so I think that it's, it's the question, right? I think you, you hit the nail on the head. That, that is the question right now. Um, why the big lockdown for a few cases? I think you know, at the time when the decisions were being made, and I think even still to this date, there, there isn't enough literature out there to tell us what is the right or wrong answer. I think even in Sweden, if you look at uh, their approach, uh, there's experts even there that are saying, we don't really know if this is gonna work. Yeah. Uh, we think maybe it will. We, we are looking at the data right now and we think maybe it's working. Uh, but even still, there's some, some signals and signs there that it, maybe it hasn't worked as well as they thought it did. So at the time, the, what we had was information coming out of Wuhan saying, you know, if you lock this down, if you do everything right, you can actually quickly quell this infection. And, uh, you know, to be honest, the main reason to quell it is to actually support our healthcare system. Because if we had a flurry of cases, especially in a small community such as Northern Ontario, despite having only, you know, 12 cases thus far, but if we all of a sudden had a big surge, it'd be very hard for the healthcare system to absorb that. Yeah. So I think, you know, at the time, the decision was a little bit, you know, uh, it seemed over the top, but I think it was necessary because we didn't have enough data to tell us which was the right or wrong answer. And if they got it wrong, if you know, follow the Sweden approach and got it wrong, that would be a big problem, especially in a small community and small area uh, like where we are. 
Yeah, actually, speaking of Wuhan, that is kind of like at the other end of the spectrum from Sweden where you know, they did a complete lockdown. Now, does, does a lockdown like that, like what was done in China in the Wuhan province, um, does that actually stop the spread or does it just kind of contain in one area, but as soon as you then open it back up, it then just starts spreading again? So it's a good question. I, I think as of right now, if you sort of did everything right uh, and you locked it down that extreme to that extreme and you had no more transmission, you can make the argument that, yeah, you could actually theoretically uh, prevent spread even when you release it. If there's no more infection being transmitted in that community, uh, you know, once you open things up and there's no infection to be spread outwards, but nothing is perfect in the real world. So only time will really tell us what happens after Wuhan is slowly releasing things. And that's why I think you know, the release of the restrictions and lockdown is probably as important, uh, if not maybe even more important than the lockdown itself, because you really want to get a good sense on as you do it, you want to do it strategically. So, you know, which piece of that lockdown was the most important? And if there is something that you released that was maybe a little bit too quick or wasn't done properly, then you'll be able to identify that one specific piece and, and jump to fix that right away. Um, okay, speaking of sort of segment, segmenting part of the country and things like that, like should Ontario segment the province into sections and lock it down to prevent uh, the spread? Like for example, like we have a big outbreak in Toronto, uh, but we don't have a big outbreak up here. Should the province be like, okay, people from you know southern Ontario and Toronto area, um, they shouldn't be allowed to come up to Algoma because they could spread it here when we have it sort of contained here locally? So it's a good question. I mean, that's sort of the approach that's been taken, right? Uh, public health has recommended that if you travel outside of the outside of the district, uh, that you would quarantine. And and our hospitals taken a similar approach. If you've been out of the out of the district, then you know we're recommending that you you know uh, you quarantine or you'd be very aware of your symptoms. Is that the right approach to totally lock it down? I, no one really knows the right answer because there's more implications than just the infection prevention and control implication. I mean. Uh, if you're going from the purest uh, lockdown approach, then you would argue, yeah, you should be doing it and you should uh, consider that, you know, in tandem with the approach that's been taken across uh, the country. But again, there's there's so many factors that aren't just in terms of infection spread. It's, it's economy. It's uh, a whole bunch of other other aspects. Um, and even healthcare itself, the, the moment you start locking things down, you say you, you lock down to the, the point where you didn't even allow uh, healthcare supplies through. I mean, these are big, big issues. So I think um, they all have to be taken with a, a grain of salt and you have to do it with a lot of parties in, in place to sort of make those decisions up. All right. Well, I'm here with Dr. Lucas Castellani and we're going to go to a short break. We'll be right back. And welcome back. We're joined today by Dr. Lucas Castellani uh, from Surrey Hospital in Northern Ontario School of Medicine, and we're talking about COVID-19. Uh, my next question is, is the focus on COVID-19 to the detriment of all other health issues worth it? For example, canceled MRIs or cancer care. You know, should there be two death counts? Should we have a COVID-19 death count and then there should be another death count for people who are dying from other things um, that could have been prevented? For example, if we see a rise in the amount of people dying from cancer between last year and this year, can some of that actually be contributed to the fact that we are not treating some of those things the way we have in the past? It's a very good question. I think, you know, it's important that we uh, 
Um, do we keep in mind that a lot of this is uh, uncharted territory and um, there's certainly going to be people that um, are sort of uh, seeing care being slowed in this context. Um, mm -hmm. There's people that are um, even afraid to come to the hospital. If you've seen many reports from even my colleagues across the province and country about people that don't want to come in for heart attacks, strokes, things like that, because they're so fearful of COVID. And, and mm -hmm. so that there's going to be an aftermath from this for sure. We just don't know what it means. Um, uh, I'm not sure the death count uh, of these associated uh, associated with COVID versus uh, from COVID itself will make a you know a huge difference to know that, but the specific number or whatnot. But I think it's important that we keep a close eye on on those numbers so that we can do something about it if we ever had a pandemic like this. You know, we need a we need a strategy. We we need to know how to proceed. I think a lot of the conversation right now is how quickly can we open up healthcare to these of urgent elective cases because an urgent elective care because that's important that we you know we've we've locked down for a while now and and we need to reopen so that those situations that you're talking about don't happen because we've given it some time but you know at some point they will become emergent and we, we want to catch it just before then so that's an important point i don't know what the answer is i think uh, but it needs a lot of people looking at it and we certainly need to keep track of, of what's happening in that yeah, speaking of reopening, we've seen this past weekend and starting uh, yesterday on Monday, different parts of the U.S. starting to open up again. Uh, I mean, Jacksonville opened up their beaches um, for part of the day now. Uh, we've seen Texas start to reopen. Um, how widespread does testing need to be before we can really start to, to open the economy again here in Ontario? Yeah, so I, I think testing is part of it. I don't think it's the only piece. I think, you know, there's, there's a... Uh, a lot of push in the infection control and public health community to understand what those pieces are. I think testing is part of it. Um, to what degree testing will, uh, you know, the increase in testing capacity improve things? It's difficult to know. We have such a low uh, prevalence of the disease right now, you know, in, in our in our province that you're going to miss a lot of people if you're just testing blindly because we don't a we don't know what the uh, the uh, quality of the test is when you're trying to test people if they don't have symptoms. So if you, you know, keep testing all the time, you may miss them at their most uh, infected time. Uh, that's one part. And the other part is if you just use testing alone, you're going to miss the opportunity to contact trace and, uh, and isolate people. And I think that's probably the most important part about it is testing with the coordinated contact uh, tracing approach. Um, we don't know, but we suspect that uh, physical distancing and some of the approaches taken during this sort of lockdown time have been helpful, especially given that we haven't even come close to the uh, the numbers that were initially predicted in Ontario, which is a good thing. Um, so I, I'm not 100% convinced it's just testing that needs to be expanded. It needs to be a coordinated approach, including all maneuvers uh, to improve things. I, I think it's going to be a gradual uh, walk out of this, and it needs to be done strategically. I heard. Uh, based on the premier's thoughts is that in, you know some interventions will be done wait a couple of weeks to see how well that uh, that ha that worked and then you know under some more interventions I think those are the types of things we need to see happen um, but they need to be very coordinated uh, with with the public health strategy are there any safety precautions uh, that we should put in place that we don't have now um, you know, I think at the moment we have reasonable um, strategies in place. 
some of the things that are, are spoken about, and I don't know because the literature isn't there yet to support it, but something like face shields for all people out in the community, I've heard from colleagues because I've been sort of personally of the mind that we need to uh, be using face shields when we go into the community to sort of prevent spread to others and as well to protect ourselves. And I've heard that you know some grocery store uh, employees are using things like that. And I, I actually wonder if that's a better way than just masks because you know you can see people's lips moving. But again, the literature isn't there. And so to sort of blanket recommend that, uh, it's very hard to do for public health agencies because they're trying to do things from an evidence base as best they can. I mean, it took them a while even to recommend masking. Uh, a lot of people rely on uh, other countries that do this as evidence. But again, that's not great evidence. We're, we're doing just like Sweden, you know, decided not to close down. That's not based on much evidence. So it's very hard. Uh, when you're in a position uh, like public health to make those recommendations with a lack of evidence. So to say what, what other strategies should be used right now, I think the most important part is whatever strategies are chosen, they need to be done methodically and they need to be monitored closely. And uh, I would say fewer strategies done with close monitoring over a period of time and then implement new strategies if those work or do not work uh, uh, afterwards. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. Thank you for joining me today on the Chris Oldcorn Show. I'm Chris Oldcorn. Today I was joined by Dr. Lucas Castellani, who is the infectious disease uh, specialist at Surrey Hospital and also an assistant professor at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Olcorn. You can listen to the audio version of the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Also, I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for the special report. Have a fantastic evening. See you at 8 a.m.